welcome to ISA's Arbor Views podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Mark Hartley, your host on this episode of Arbor Views. Today we have with us Greg Moore. Greg is a researcher, a research associate at Burnley College, University of Melbourne. Hi, Greg. Hey, Mark. How are you? Excellent. Nice to hear the Australian accent. Good. I'm pleased to be here. Um, so now you're doing some interesting research and you're looking at bits and pieces down at Melbourne. One of the things that you've been raising is uh, about the economic value of trees in terms of tree cover. Tell us some more about that. Well, the whole idea is basically to put a dollar value on the functions and services that trees provide uh, so that we can take part in the economic debate, really, uh, and affect decision-making by saying that Trees provide functions and services that economically provide uh, a great economic benefit to our society, and as a consequence, they have to be seen as real assets. So what sort of values do they provide when that makes them assets? Obviously, there's a bit of shade, but what else? Oh, there's more than shade. And, and even that, that phrase, a bit of shade, uh, the value of shade in prolonging the life of bitumen and protecting um, uh, assets such as vehicles and furniture from degradation by the sun is is really quite significant but much more importantly really is the countering of the urban heat island effect and so I see the the, uh, aspect of shade here as a way of locally in a city or in a region countering some of the effects of the global warming. Global warming might give us rises of three or four degrees but proper vegetation, particularly trees, can reduce temperatures in a city, suburb, region by between 5 and 8 degrees. So it, it really is very important. And if you've got that cooler temperature, you then don't use air conditioners as much, your electricity uh, usage goes down, your uh, carbon footprint diminishes. And so these are real dollar sort of benefits to our society as a whole that are often forgotten. And of course the other aspect I suppose is the health benefits that vegetation provide. Uh, In most Western cultures uh, health care is very expensive and there's ample evidence that great vegetation, and again particularly trees, uh, has a big impact on people's health, their outlook on life, and as a consequence you end up with much lower health costs. Is that just mental health or is that through things like particulate filtration and things like that? It's through every aspect. Mental health is one and really mental health is is more about your well-being and and your quality of life. But you can actually measure changes, for example, in blood pressure. Cardiovascular disease is not so high. So there's a whole range of tangible, measurable health benefits. So in terms of climate change, you're talking about that five or eight degrees different, that's quite large. Is that with any tree or does there need to be an intelligence in the way that those trees are approached? There has to be an intelligence. Um, You need to plant the right trees. Uh, The the old message, Mark, the right trees, the right place, the right time. And if you want to get the the maximum benefit, uh, you plant to get the benefits of shade in summer, you get light in in winter. So to give you a, a very simple example, in a school, if you plant Uh, appropriate deciduous species, you still get good light in winter, so you reduce your lighting costs. The shade in summer reduces your cooling costs, and overall that can have a 12 to 15% impact on your electricity bill. Now in a school, that will be a five-figure sum. Wow, that's enormous. That's an enormous amount of money. Yeah. And, and then there's just that sort of peace of mind that comes from the fact that you're being naturally cooled, not listening to the hum of an air conditioning. There's a whole range of um, other benefits in terms of how you feel about the space, 
the quality of life. Um, another interesting one is that uh, most people, adults and children by the way, are much more inclined to exercise if there's vegetation around. And it's not just turf. Uh, lots of people go out and, and run around on a turf oval. But there is very good evidence that passive recreation, if you want your elderly citizens to go for walks, you provide them with tree-lined walks and they'll go. And then the benefits to their health system are enormous. Uh, going back to an earlier question, when we're looking at infrastructure, we've talked about health benefits. And we've talked about benefits in terms of electricity. What are the benefits? Uh, water use. So in many instances, and this is a, an interesting conundrum, because most people think that urban vegetation will consume lots and lots of water, and it certainly needs water. If you haven't got water, you're not going to get good vegetation. But in many ways, the vegetation uh, also saves water. So a, an example, the shade reduces uh, uh, evaporation. And so that's one aspect. On uh, a very hot day, uh, the evaporation of water from soil and garden beds and the evapotranspiration from plants and trees reduces the ambient temperature, again, around 5 degrees. Now, that can have an impact on whether people actually survive uh, a heat wave. So that's a, a really tangible benefit. And in many places... The production of energy, particularly from brown or black coal technology, consumes water. So if you don't actually use the electricity for air conditioners, you're actually saving on water as well. So what sort of strategies can we look at uh, as arborists to uh, support the growth of the benefits of urban trees? Well, I think there, there are several things. The first thing is you have to see climate change as a threat on the one hand, but an opportunity on the other. And I think there will be great opportunities for extra plantings of vegetation. People will be much more accommodating when they recognise that the benefits are provided. And yet there are some disadvantages of trees. I don't deny that for a minute. You can get leaves, fruits, flowers falling. You, you can get debris and all of those sorts of things. But when you look at the big picture, I think people will be much more accommodating of vegetation. And the other thing about it, I think for arborists in particular is we have an insight into what plants will do well. We know that, okay, species X may not survive because the temperature is going to be warmer and it's going to be dry, but the closely related species Y. Now, in Australia, of course, with our acacias and our eucalypts, you can look at one eucalypt and say, well, it's going to be a bit warm for that one, but there's almost certainly going to be one that looks very similar, is closely related, and you can then start saying, we will trial this one. And I know already that there are people looking at eucalypts, say, from Western Australia for use in Adelaide. Uh, some of the Adelaide trees that have done well there will do well in Melbourne and so on. So you can learn from what others have done. So one of the things you've talked about is, is thinking about how we're, we're planning our, our plantings within the infrastructure. I guess the other question that goes with that is, how should we be looking at infrastructure in terms of how it interfaces with our plantings? Yes, that's a very good question, the old uh, hard landscape versus the soft landscape question. Um, look, I think it's just inevitable that the engineering uh, fraternity is greening just like everybody else, and they're going to recognise, OK, we want some trees, we have to engineer appropriate footings. We want trees, we have to provide appropriate space. And what I've been finding, and I'm, I'm quite surprised at this, to be honest, that uh, in the last decade, and it is a decade now, the landscape architecture profession, much more understanding of the needs of trees. Engineers, much more accommodating. 
Um, I think engineers recognise that uh, they are wonderful at designing the hard side of the landscape and, and doing all the specifications that are required, but they have to be sustainable as well. And I think that's a dimension to engineering that perhaps hasn't been there in the past. And I think that the, uh, the spread of that sustainable message is starting to impact not just uh, the engineering profession in terms of buildings, but also the roads authorities. Uh, and I find that it's, it's a slow change, I can see that, but there is a change uh, taking place there. And I'm also heartened by the fact that the medical fraternity, uh, the healthcare infrastructure, is now coming on board as an ally of the environment and an ally of the uh, landscape in the urban environment. So if you were to look just ahead, say, the next five or ten years, where do you think we're going to be? Look, I'm always and, and, and forever an optimist, and I think uh, there are wonderful opportunities. Uh, the old CARP ADM sees the day, uh, I think, is available to us in Arbora culture. And one of the messages that I want to give is that there's no room for pessimism here. Pessimism never produces anything. Um, the, the optimism is that the world is changing, and I think it's going to change in a way that provides much greater opportunities for horticulture in general and for arboriculture in particular, because I think people are going to see the absolute necessity of trees in their immediate environment, not only for the sustainability of the environment, but for their quality of lives uh, and for the livability of the, of the environment that they're, they're within. People want to live longer. If you want to live longer, you want to live healthier, you want to live better, you've got to have trees. Sounds like we should be going home and getting stuck into getting some trees planted. Absolutely. Plant the trees and look after them. Greg, thanks heaps for coming in. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, Mark. Thank you for having me.